you know, I don't really, I'm not really interested in going to Google Analytics searching through and seeing that, you know, three developers who hit our site have six cats and subscribe to uh, mm. taste of, you know, a cooking magazine, right? Like that doesn't help me at all. That's not what a profile is. What what I think it's going to force us to do as marketers is become a lot more strategic in how we build a customer profile and what we're looking for in a customer mm. um, or a user. You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industry. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. And today, my guest is Tom Crow, who is the Director of Growth at Vercel. Tom lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma with his wife and daughter. And while not working on growth initiatives at Vercel, he enjoys writing, podcasting, cooking, and spreading his somewhat unhealthy Christmas obsession with everyone. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Paris. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Same here. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Vercel and, and uh, what is Vercel doing? Well, Vercel, we are the company that is behind uh, the Next.js front-end framework. And mm -hmm. Vercel is a platform for you to deploy your, not just Next.js, but, you know, any of your frameworks that you're working with. Um, in an easy way, uh, you can easily... Um, deploy, uh, link up your GitHub, GitHub, GitLab account, deploy your app that you're hosting there and see it in the front end. And then we add a lot of other usability um, aspects in the front end to make life just that much easier. Gotcha. Who's your, who's your ideal customer profile who you're trying to reach? You know, it really kind of depends. We've got a few. Um, where our focus right now is on that front end and full stack developer. Mm -hmm. Um really reaching people who need to simplify the way that they're moving their um, their websites forward, helping, you know, with things. And, and we're, we're looking at the uh, uh, into the future too. We're looking at, you know, how we can scale dynamically without creating any problems, how we can utilize the global edge network to make things um, simpler so that people can actually mm -hmm. host on the edge and not have to uh, depend on the, the things like, you know, relay time back to the server and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. Um, I'm not that familiar with Global Edge. Can, can you just define that quickly? Yeah, basically, instead of hosting all of your, um, instead of instead of hosting your your website on one server, where let's say I'm in you know Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I got a ping to a, a website, ping you know I, I put in and go to a website, it routes me you know to where that website. Let's say the website's hosted in the EU. I have to wait for that to travel all the way there, hit the server and bring information back to me and then build it mm -hmm. on my page. So obviously that's a little slower. By deploying on the edge, your website is, ho is um, the image of your website is put in um, closer locations. So instead of going all mm -hmm. the way to um, Europe, if there's a, a CDN in Dallas, it's going to ping that CDN and bring you know the website there. And, and so it's saving that much travel time. I got you. Okay. And so I've had other guests on the show previously that have that have the particular challenge that I believe you have, which is marketing to an audience that actively 
tries to block uh, marketing, which is the developers. And how do you how do you deal with that challenge? How do you reach these people who just don't want to be reached with uh, with marketing? We have to give them stuff that they want. So mm-hmm. you know, when you go to to um, an e-commerce site and you look at something and the the as a, as a normal consumer, as a normal or as a normal marketer, you know, you're paying, you're capturing all of that information about that user that you can then use to retarget. You know, you're getting their 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 you're getting a customer profile. There's a lot of information that you can get through stuff like Google Analytics about that customer, um, and mm-hmm. then you can use that in retargeting. You can um, uh, grab those that audience and continue, you know, a nurture cycle to get them to buy what they need to. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Developers, it's a lot more difficult because such a large percentage of them block tracking. They block cookies. So when they hit your website, you're not going to go, you know, do a lot of retargeting to marketers. When you get them to your to your site or when you get them engaging with your content, you have to have something that, that compels them to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I found over the last eight years that's the, the best way to quote unquote market to, to developers is to really jump in and be involved in those communities. Give them something that they need. Vercel, like I said, um, builds and and maintains Next.js, a very popular framework mm-hmm. for front-end developers. So people know Vercel because, through uh, Next.js, and it really buys a lot of goodwill with the community. Um, yeah, it's but developers you know you're not gonna you're not gonna go to a website and see a bunch of flowery marketing language right like if you're mm-hmm. if you're not put providing with real content and telling people what they can benefit from uh, you're kind of wasting your time yeah one thing that stands out to me a lot in your website is your the templates and i think mm-hmm. that you've done it's it seems in the first template top top left is is the next js template and uh, and an api uh, and then it looks like you've got here i don't know maybe at least 30 different templates that um, that people can use and, and they can just hit the ground running with. Can you just, just and I think that temp- templates are a very unique way to engage, to engage people and to get them to start using the product without them even realizing it. Can you just talk to me about how templates fit into your acquisition strategy and how you think about that? So what the, the what we want people to do is we call is we want people to, to sign up and get using our service as quickly as possible. We call mm-hmm. that the time to confetti. So mm-hmm. we want somebody to come in, click on that Next.js template, deploy it to GitHub, link it to their GitHub or GitLab, create that repository and spin up a website right away. They can start then mm-hmm. start playing with it and seeing how different features work and testing, um, um, testing out Vercel but within minutes, you're able to quick. You're quickly able to see the result of of what you're trying to do, right? You're able to see that mm-hmm. website live, um, and then from there, you can try. You know the other features that we have. You can try um, those edge functions. You can try playing with that front end infrastructure. You can look at the the Vercel analytics. Um, mm-hmm. You can create preview links, and you know the, one of the great things about this is once we've got a developer who's up and running, the goal is to get them to, their team to use it. Right? This is a collaborative space, yeah. so you can quickly tell your teammate, "Hey, go check this out. I'm going to add you to the account. You can spin up a template in no time as well." Um, it's really important for users to use the product as, like I said, as quickly as possible. If they don't have something that they already want to deploy, if they don't have an app somewhere, you know, in one of their repos that they can switch, that they can quickly switch over and try on Vercel. Um, we want to give them something that they can do. And that's what these starters do. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. And are you are you utilizing this data? You mentioned that a lot of developers are turning off. They're turning off tracking, so they're basically blocking third party cookies. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting to me is that the, the whole world will soon look like that, and probably next year. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that that Google's announced that it's phasing out third party cookie tracking. Mm-hmm. Facebook's getting much more restricted as well, and th- this whole world of tracking users through cookies and the and the browser-based cookies on the web at an individual level, level, which I think has been one of the primary drivers of ROI on these ad ad platforms like Google Ads, that's going away and that's going to be replaced by other types of systems that are, I think, really yet to be fully understood. One thing that's clear to me, though, is that all marketers are going to have to operate in environments like you're currently operating in where your audience is, for the most part, untrackable through cookies. And what we're saying uh, at, at Hop Online a lot is now that the substitute for that is going to be the advertisers and the marketers' own data, your first-party data, mm-hmm. and that's things like any data that you can that you can get these prospects to volunteer in an onboarding journey or in a sign-up flow, or even data around how they're using the product, especially in the early stages, the early hours or days of product usage. And then figure out a way to, to actually use that data to predict their value and then send that back to the ad platforms. And are you all thinking along these lines and have you ever done any kind of, any kind of analysis that can predict of the value, of the future value of a, of a new prospect based on how they're, using, how they're using the tools, especially right after getting started? Yeah, we're working with a company right now um, and testing the uh, their use case, but basically it's doing just that. It's building a an, a database about the customers who visit the site, connecting it with um, stuff like Clearbit, things that they have access to, so we can get an idea of mm-hmm. what that um, that person visiting the site what that looks like without sharing all of that data. It's all you know um, built. The, the database is built on our end. We have access to to um, utilize oh. that in marketing it's really interesting they're not it's not a public product yet so so this is this is about enrichment what you're describing is enriching that lead with um a a tool like clearbit yeah plus Mm -hmm. pinging our data so that we can if they've been at our site before we can we can um if we've had them fill out a form for example we can we tie all that data back in so that we're creating a complete profile of the person visiting our site that's Mm -hmm. you know only relevant to what we need you know i don't really I'm not really interested in going to Google Analytics, searching through and seeing that you know three developers who at our site have six cats and subscribe to uh, mm-hmm. taste a, you know a, a, a cooking magazine, right? Like that doesn't help me at all. That's not what a profile is. What what I think it's going to force us to do as marketers is become a lot more strategic in how we build a customer profile and what we're looking for in a customer mm-hmm. um, or a user. Um, it's you know that data that data doesn't matter. I'm not. I mean this. Um, um, maybe bordering on heresy, but I'm not a big fan of the battle card style customer profile where you've got a picture and a name and, you know, you build out all this information about your theoretical customer. You mean um, like, like the classic persona? Yeah. Like a classic persona. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. like, um, based on the, the, the approach we're taking is we're trying to identify what kind of developer succeeds and does well and what common traits across a developer journey leads someone to successfully building on Vercel, um, because ultimately that's what we want to do. We don't. We, we know we're not going to. Um, 
win everybody over, but we want to make sure that the right customer that's tuned in with our product is able to use it effectively and get started, um, mm-hmm. and get up and running. Yeah. And I've so noticed that you're, Oh, so I was yep. going to say using that data driven, um, approach, understanding, you know, what customers are doing within your, when they sign up, what they're doing within your app, what those first few days look like, you know, what can you do, um, you know, as opposed to just trying to drive everybody to to your site, which is very important. It's important to get those leads, but it's also more important to understand that journey once they're there. What's incur- what's causing people to to move forward in the funnel? What's causing people to um, push towards um, you know from that trial to a paid customer, and yeah. making that journey that barrier of entry as low as possible. Um, yeah, I let's let's pivot over to that because I, I can see from the pricing page that there are three levels, there are three tiers. There's the hobby, which is it's free for non-commercial sites. I presume that's a freemium. There are no time limitations on that, correct? Nope, just free. It's free. And then you got the pro plan, which is which is $20 per month, which is pretty affordable for um, that. That's the next level up. And that's a, there's a 14-day trial that leads into that. And then it goes straight up to enterprise. And, uh, and I see that the call to action there is to contact sales. So it looks like you got product-led growth, heavy product-led growth motion on the hobby and the pro, where most of that is most likely self-serve. People can come right in, sign up, either grab a template or just start building quickly. And, and I'm sure I love this concept that you said, time to confetti. I guess that's, uh, is confetti when they, when they, when they first, uh, when they're starting when to, to build out the site. You've got okay. a success, right? You've got something to celebrate. You've got a site up. Yeah, yeah. We we use the term t- uh, sometimes time to value, but I, I like time to confetti even more. It's <laughs> it's more more fun. Um, and then you've got what what looks like more of a classic, more enterprise B two B SaaS motion of of a either account based marketing or really a sales led motion where people are enterprise. I'd like to know in your and your with your focus on growth, are you mostly focused on getting people into this freemium and trial funnel? And then, and then upgrading them, or do you separately look at trying to go after the, the big whales and the big, uh, the big accounts that would come straight in for enterprise sales? We have people who are going through an enterprise motion. My primary focus um, right now is just getting people into that pro account. Um, <clears throat> okay. And really, I'd like to create a, a sales of value that uh, create the, you know, really push the value of what pro is to even move away from a 14-day trial to get people signed up directly and and get them moving um with their account um you know that means bringing over their their active projects bringing over their teams and getting started um because really i mean the the templates are great but how much more powerful is it if you move over if you're hosting your website now through you're deploying your website through Vercel and getting access to um all that we have to offer mm-hmm. so then do you think that at some point the the trial period might go away for pro and you'll just try to get hobbyist freemium hobbyist straight on to pro pay, paying from day one uh you know i don't think we're gonna we're not gonna go away with anything and anything that we do we'll have to run a lot more tests right like nothing mm-hmm. is i don't do anything based on gut like we have to have some metrics and some numbers behind it to see yeah. um, what that looks like but mm-hmm. as long as people are using the trial and converting we'll have it we'll just try a few different uh a few different motions to get people into the into the account Gotcha. Yeah. And, and once you've got, um, either at the hobby level or the pro level, are you, are you pivoting a lot at that point to email marketing to try to move people through that journey? Yeah, we've got, we're, we're, channels. 
There are there are the email marketing we're working on, you know, uh, mm -hmm. potentially testing in app experiences. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a we've got nurture streams to get, to engage people that you know we'll continue to test and refine and um, build out. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, and and when you think about your acquisition, um, do mm -hmm. you have certain levels of like a threshold or maximum customer acquisition cost for a, a hobbyist, given the given the forecasted or probability of them eventually? moving up to pro or a pro with some probability of eventually moving up to enterprise. Do you value those differently at the point of acquisition? Yes. Yes. I mean, a, a hobby, a pro account is going to have a higher, because um, mm -hmm. a higher value, not only, because not only are we looking at just that initial $20 per member person, but we're looking at expanding that team, growing it out, um, adding services um, that they will need to be more successful that incur, you know, um, uh, usage based or, or uh, monthly, uh, cost to, and then we're also looking at, at the somebody who's going to come in as a pro is a lot more like and bring their team on board is a lot more likely to make that move to enterprise than mm -hmm. you know the hobby can. We have a lot of developers who are just um, hosting their websites through Vercel, and that's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. We love those customers too. Um, they're not ever going to pay a dime, and that's you know that's okay. That's what the hobby that's what the hobby account is for. Um, but as those people the, the as those people grow we've got the pro there to help them scale. Well, is it true that a lot of the, a lot of those hobbyists are also fueling the community? Absolutely. Which is, which is also a big driver. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Yeah. And where, where does, where do these communities live? Where are the most active conversations that you're trying to enter into and influence? For we've these got Next.js Conf, which uh, we bring a lot of people to. Um, we've got that coming up potentially making an announcement for an April date. Um, mm -hmm. You'll see update, updates to that website. We've got the Next.js website. And then, of course, the Next.js Discord, where we've got people communicating, getting to know one another. And then all the other typical channels where you see developers, we've got Next.js, Reddit. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Um, also, I'm just noticing connected with community, there is a, a space in your website that's called Find an Expert. Yes. And this is, this to me looks really interesting. And there's a lot of, I mean, as I'm going through here, it looks like um, I can, I can filter experts by their, by their capabilities. So that could be design or, or UX or even e-commerce. I could filter by the, uh, by the frameworks like Next.js, um, budgets, et cetera. So it almost looks like a location. marketplace. Yeah. You can search then, by location. Yeah, region, yeah. region and location, languages spoken. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about how how this works and then how is that also connected with your community building efforts? Yeah, the idea is, you know, people who are in, involved in our ecosystem who are doing a lot of work with uh, Next.js and Vercel, um, we know they're doing good work and taking care of people. These people get added to our um, expert list and okay. we're able to... Um, we're then able to recommend them to folks so that they can help build out... Um, you know, build out what they need. You'll notice we've got um, multiple frameworks. You know, like I said, we, we do have Next.js, but there are a lot of other frameworks that we, we're recommending people use on Vercel. Um, and really what it is, it's, it's all about getting people what they need to be successful um, mm -hmm. and how Vercel fits into that, that gotcha. stack for them. And are, are each of these, are all these experts personally vetted by Vercel? We've got two different levels. We've got gold partner and bronze, um, and okay. the gold partners go through a little bit more vetting process. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, and do you all 
do you all get any kind of affiliate commission from from matching up uh, matching We're up built- people with experts? No, but we are working on our own affiliate program that we'll be launching to encourage people to share Vercel love. So developers ah, okay. are having success with it so that they can. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So that we can encourage people who are using our service and reward them for telling their friends. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And I'm also just trying to sniff around for other types of organic organic strategies here. I see tons of documentation. So the, we've got we've got folks who are doing our technical writing in our docs, and what we're doing is we're taking feedback that we're getting from users, and we're making that into docs. So where are some pain points? What are some um, things that that do, that we're hearing in the community that are making things easier? And we're turning those into docs to make it to make it um, again to really make a, a world class developer experience on Vercel. Okay. Um, one thing you'll also know we have uh, integrations where we work with partners that create integrations that are, um, and you know when you're. When you're doing things like like um, integrations, there's, of course, the fact that it, it does make things a lot better for our users. So if somebody wants to build a Shopify site, they can click the Shopify integration, add it, select the template, and add uh, Shopify to their website pretty quickly and easily. Um, there's also that beautiful SEO um play that comes in. You know, when you're when you're working with partners and, and big names, the the back and forth, the backlink and the uh, content that you create on your site using the Shopify name and 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 everything, that helps immensely also with the overall SEO, the health score of your website, things like that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another organic way that we're we're working a uh, strong focus on what does you know what does our what does our SEO strategy need to be? What are people you know what are people searching for, and um, building that out, and making sure that we have the docs and the integrations and the partners to meet those needs as well. So you're effectively you're sourcing your content from from your partners. You're not you're not generating most of this internally, but rather outsourcing it to to your partner and to the partners in the community. Oh no, we have the the integrations and everything we we build with the partner in that. Um, mm-hmm. It is all done. Um, it is all done on our site. So all the content is still done by Vercel. We're just, you know, like that name, like that Shopify. When you go look at Shopify, you see what Shopify is, how it works on Vercel's edge network and why you should use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's, that's the SEO. We're, we're still creating all of that, but just doing it in partnership with Shopify. Okay. And then can you, can you, can we get back to that link building tactic that you mentioned? Cause that sounded really interesting, but I don't think I fully understood it. Um, how are you getting, when, when you're building out content in that fashion, how are you getting the link? Just getting, just working with the partners and telling them, hey, here's a way that people can use your product quick on us, you know, quick on Vercel and getting them to uh, create that link back to what you're oh, doing. Oh, okay. And you're doing that through just the, the direct outreach to those people and make them aware of, of the content? Yeah, yeah we're, working with the, we're working with the developers who are, who are you know, who know those, those folks. Gotcha. So. And, and overall, how was your SEO, uh, how, how was your organic traffic growth as a result of this? Uh, not just related to this, we have, we have a great, we've had great organic growth and that's, what's been interesting about Vercel is it's been product led for so long. So everything has been organic. Um, now it's time to come in and just start refining what that looks like. Um, and seeing some increase, but you know, we can look at the, at the numbers and just see steady, steady growth of, of Vercel over the last four years that we've been around. So. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And how much is now, how much in your mix includes any paid acquisition? We are launching paid acquisition now. Um, we started oh, okay. running our first our first ads last month. We're branching into some um, partnerships with 
um, podcasts and building out an engine to really track that well. That's the key. Like um, mm-hmm. you can throw a lot of money at something, but if you don't actually have a way to 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 track the life cycle of that um, of that program, it's it's you really don't know what's beneficial and what's working and what's not. Right. Mm-hmm. So. That's so the is that, are that you are you referring to? Minded. Yeah, are, are you referring to paid search here? Or, uh, paid I'm search, not... display ads, okay, uh, sponsorships on podcasts at events. Ever, you know, trying to bring all of that together as a cohesive growth strategy, as part of a cohesive growth strategy. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I think that that's great, and and from some of the other conversations I've had with product-led growth companies that have done what you all have done, which is focused in the early years on organic growth, built a really solid foundation of organic growth, and then only later uh, layered on paid acquisitions. To me, that's uh, that's a great recipe for success because you're never really over-reliant on paid acquisitions. Mm-mm. And when you have still a majority of your your user acquisition, your new customer acquisition coming through organic it allows you then to be even more aggressive on your paid customer acquisition cost because ultimately what you're really really optimizing for is your blended your overall customer acquisition cost and if you're able to outspend a competitor who relies more heavily on paid acquisitions because you have the advantage of all those organic mm-hmm. then then really you're even you know at, at the extreme case you're even able to drive them out of those auctions well, and, yeah. Plus, uh, you have the uh, the the other benefit of having built this built this <clears throat> built the um, built a, a company that way is you have that the years of data of what how people are actually engaging with your content. What are they looking for? It's mm-hmm. not as much trial and error if you're sharp, if you're starting with that heavy ad focused um, uh, right. mindset. You know, you can spend a lot of money running ads that you have no idea what the ROI is actually going to be. But if you know people are coming to your website and searching for X and once they find it, this is how they engage. You can you can create that nice that nice funnel from the ad to the site, knowing how they're going to turn, knowing that you're going to have an ROI. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on your ads. So, are you all are you all actually looking at your internal search terms and then using those? Oh yeah. In in Google Ads. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the primary focus. Is how, what are people doing to get to our site, and then even looking at. On our site, what are they searching? You know, when they're on the integration yeah, site, search. what are they searching for? What templates are they looking for? Um, just to give us a better understanding. And then we can tell quickly, you know, looking at the data, after they search this, what are they doing? Is this the right content that we're di- that we're delivering up when they're searching for, you know, information on Next.js on the site? If, they're, if there's a quick bounce, if they're bouncing, if there's a high bounce rate, we know we're not delivering the right content, right? But if we're seeing them go from reading from from search to l- looking at the at the content that we're delivering and then trying the product we have a we yeah. have a winning we have a winning recipe and gotcha. that's what we're that's what we're optimizing mm-hmm. for yeah that's fascinating um so what kind of go- what kind of overall growth goals do you all have for for this year um is there anything that you can share uh we just went through that yesterday i want to say we're looking at an overall 4x for this year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We're aggressive. We're going aggressive. Amazing. What, um, Tom, what kind of team, what kind of team do you have that's going to help drive that growth? We are building out uh, the growth team. I will be heading up growth acquisition. We're bringing on somebody for um, who's going to be handling life cycle management mm-hmm. uh, marketing, but really we have a, we have a new team in general. I mean, our whole team pretty much is, uh, is, is fairly new. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so. So how, how big is the team going to be by the time you, you fill out all Our, the roles? About 25. Great. And, uh, and, and growth and, uh, uh, revenue marketing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's really cool. And, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. I mean, and, and are, is it true that you just started there a couple of months ago? Are, are you, you literally just uh, I'm two a, months in? I'm about a month and a half in. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, but we're already, you know, in that month and a half, we've, um, we're introducing, um, an experiment, a new experimentation tooling, personalization tooling, um, collecting and, and, um, metrics, collecting more, collecting and analyzing more metrics that we can use to apply and develop into a strategy. But, um, Mm -hmm. that's the big takeaway I have for anybody who wants to talk growth marketing and marketing to developers in general is, um, you do have less access to information about your audience. Um, Mm -hmm. but you also understand why. So it's really easy if you're, if you're, you know, if you're losing 25% of your audience to ad blockers, you know, privacy is something really important to them. So make that part of your messaging. Talk about how your company respects privacy. Mm-hmm. Really speak the language of the developer. I mean, of course, uh, you know, that has to be an, an internal, you know, North Star for your company to do that. But if, if that's something your your company cares about, like ours does, I mean, our Guillermo, our CEO, is a big, big um is, is really supportive of this, this focus, this privacy focus. Um, talk about it, let people know what you're doing. Um, we'll be working on some, some talks about how we're approaching, uh, marketing as we, uh, you know, after we test some more things, see how it works and try to change the way that we're talking about what marketing means. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Well, it sounds like there's an exciting year ahead for you, Tom, and a fast-growing company uh, looking to 4x, building out a big team, and um, looks looks like there's some fun times ahead. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'd like to, before we wrap up, I would like to ask you about the the Christmas movies and your... <laughs> uh, your self-proclaimed obsession with that. Can you tell me more about that on the, on the personal side? How did that yeah. come about? Uh, so I was, um, like all good nerds hanging out on Reddit and I was in the Christmas subreddit and this random guy, I had been doing some podcasting, um, back, uh, really, um, diving into podcasting with, uh, with work, uh, when I was at Compose and, and IBM, we got acquired by IBM. Um, and I was like, you know, I really like this medium. This is a lot of fun. Um, and he said, Hey, I want to start a Christmas podcast and I'm looking for somebody to do this with. I don't really know the the technical side. So I reached out to him and I was just said, Hey, uh, let's chat. We talked, we hit it off. Um, decided there are enough podcasts with, uh, two bros sitting around chatting. So we intentionally went out to find, uh, a, a, a strong female co-host who could keep us in line. And from that, we built, uh, tis the podcast, the podcast that is determined mm-hmm. to keep this Christmas spirit alive, 365 days a year. Uh, we rank review and discuss Christmas movies, TV specials, um, every week for almost five years. <laughs> wow. Can you just tell me about how many Christmas movies are out there? Roughly. Well, this year, just looking, I mean, Hallmark released 20 something new movies. Netflix did a few Hulu. There are just more coming out every year. It's a, yeah. it's a big cash grab right now. Hulu had a, has Christmas series that they've released. Amazon did Christmas movies. Um, so you've got all the traditional networks doing it. Plus the, um, the annual theatrical releases and mm-hmm. then, um, the streaming platforms are all, are, are all jumping on the game. Yeah. Well, I've got to ask you this question now, Tom. 
what is your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Probably Elf. I love it. All right. Yeah. Not only do I love the movie because it's amazing, but uh, my wife and I saw it in the theater and, uh, but, you know, while we were engaged and it, we loved it. We watched it several times and it's just become a staple in our home. And it's so nice. quotable. It's such a quotable movie. That is How about a good you? One, What's yeah. your favorite Christmas movie? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's uh, probably just the, the old Chevy Chase special uh, Christmas vacation. And that one just, just because of the, probably I was, when I was younger, it just stuck with me, but that's such a classic. It is. And, uh, it ha- and it's held up so well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I've really enjoyed the, the Christmas Chronicles, the, the first and second ones recently with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Absolutely. Those, those, are, are, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. Those are nice. Um, Disney and, did one. Um, Noel a couple years ago. That's great. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I this year, I don't that. know if you saw it, but uh, Netflix did a boy called Christmas and it's like a fantasy Christmas. Okay. Film. That's, didn't see uh, that. Pretty stellar. I have to check that out. Uh, I know if where, our, where if, I, yeah. If our podcast numbers are, are any indication, people like Christmas year round. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think at least where I'm living, they keep the Christmas decorations up usually till Valentine's Day at least, but they're mo- mostly they're still up when I, when I go around. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Hey, well, look, Tom, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel could benefit our audience? Really? Um, if you're marketing to developers, make sure you have a strong channel to, to hear what developers are saying and feedback. Again, you can have all mm-hmm. the ideas in the world about what people want, what developers want and need. Um, but you know, if you're building, if you're building a, uh, uh, if you're building a fighter jet and people just want to, you know, assess on a fly around a lake, it's, it's not, you're not, yeah. you're not doing something right and you're not gonna be successful. So make sure you have that, that, uh, line of communication with developers, openly involve yourself in their communities, listen to what they're saying and um, respond to need instead of trying to create it. Great advice. Yeah. Thank you for that, Tom. And where, where can people find you online? With uh, I'm, various activities. I'm easy. You can find me uh, on um, all the social media at Tom Crow, T H O M C R O W E. Um mm-hmm. And I, I'm not terribly creative with my handle, but uh, it seems to serve a good purpose. Sounds straightforward enough. Yeah, that's that's Tom with an H T H O M Crow, and Crow with an E. Uh, let's uh, let's leave it at that, Tom. It's been a lot of fun, and, and I wish you all the best of luck with with the new gig. Sounds like uh, you have some really exciting times ahead, and some explosive growth and a lot of confetti. So I hope. I hope the confetti rains on you all year. It sounds like it probably will. And I really enjoy chatting with you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Paris. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about SaaS growth marketing, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P, dot online. Have a great day.